everybody, and welcome to Lore Watch, where we here at Blizzard Watch, mostly myself and Joe, because we're the two biggest lore nerds the show has, um, come on in and talk about lore and the various games of both Blizzard and the world at large. Sometimes we even talk about stuff that's not even games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know you're interested now. Huh? Uh, I'm taking over this week just because I wanted to, and Joe was kind enough to let me. So say hi, Joe. Hello. Please make sure to reaffirm that I don't have your family or anything like that, that this was willing. Uh, yeah, no, it was willing. Matt asked, and I mean, I felt that it was, you know, it was okay. I, I, I you know, let him have control been, of the show for once. I feel bad because I've been sick, like, a lot the past couple of months, so we've, they, he's had to take over hosting at least twice on Blizzard Watch. So I felt like at least once Well, technically, I made Liz do it. Ah, you made Liz do it. Cool. How'd she do? She did great. Great. I didn't get to hear it yet. Um, because oddly enough, my, my app that downloads all the podcasts is not getting ours. I should, should talk to Dan about that. Anyway, um, we're going to talk about the stuff that happened to BlizzCon this week. Um, I don't know if y'all know, uh, it was a, it was a interesting BlizzCon. It was the first one back after four years. Uh, so there was a bit of, I don't know if I call it rust even so much as just the paradigm has shifted and it's a little weird to come back to something that you haven't seen in, in a, in a few years. I don't know how else to put it. But we, there was quite a lot of lore to discuss, uh, both from World of Warcraft and Diablo 4, I'd say for sure. Um, not really that much on Overwatch, I don't think. Uh, I mean, they talked about some stuff, like a new hero, but that's not really a ton of story elements were, were discussed. Um, there's going to be more PvE missions that are the same as the ones we've already gotten. But again, that's not really... There's no. They didn't reveal any story about those either. Um there's new Hearthstone expansion, but I don't think that they really gave much story on that either. So yeah, I guess we'll just mostly talk about World of Warcraft because a lot got got discussed on that one. With maybe some Diablo if we have time for it. Um, so Joe, where do you want to go first? Where are you more comfortable? Uh, no, you are in charge. You get the pick. All right, then I'm going to do so. Uh, let's talk about the three expansions that we got told about at BlizzCon because that's. World of Warcraft, normally they tell you about the next expansion. Um, this time they told us, well, one thing I should mention is story-wise, in case you guys are wondering how Dragonflight ends, next week is the last major content patch. No, it's the last raid tier patch. Raid in, tier patch. In, the interview, in the interview, they have said that there is still more coming after yeah, that the, that will the be story-related. It's going to be story-related that sets up what's coming down the road. Uh, we're not going to see, like, whatever Eridicron's doing, we're probably not going to see much about it. But the next expansion of the three we're getting does play into what Eridicron has already done, um, which I think is fascinating. I don't really know how to explain this. Like, it's really interesting to see them straight up come out and tell you about three expansions. I, I They never have done this. Uh, as As a couple of people have pointed out... One of the big draws to BlizzCon every year is to find out what the next expansion is going to be. Um, and so now they've basically said, we're so confident that you'll come back. We're so confident that you're interested and invested that we're just going to tell you up front what we're doing for the next five to six years. And we want to be done with it within five to six years. Like this, this story is going to take that much time to get out. That's really remarkable. Um, it's not something they've done before, but... Never mind that. Let's talk about what we actually got. Uh, the the big overall picture of this. I, I I mean, if I'm talking too much, Joe, and you want to get in, just let me know, okay? Um, the big overall picture of this seems to be basically picking up all of the loose threads from Legion, from Battle for Azeroth, from uh, Shadowlands, and from 
Dragonflight, which I couldn't remember there for a second. I don't know what the heck that was. And and making the cohesive story out of them, giving us finally seeing what's been going on, the next stages. And those three expansions are named The War Within, which deals with us going down into the heart of Azeroth itself um, to face the various things down there, including a Nerubian army. Do you want to tell them who's in charge of the Nerubian army? Well, Zeltath, which we all knew that Zeltath was going to be coming back. And, you know, Zeltath was born from the uh, offshoot appendage of an old god. So why not? That's kind of where the Nerubians are are sort of coming from at this point too so yeah she's there making them uh collect the blood of old gods yeah they're during the lore reveals for the various uh expansions the the wow deep dive i think it was they mentioned that zalatath is basically at least zalatath has told them whether or not this is true i don't know but zalatath has told them that the other the old gods are dead the old gods are dead there's no point to praying to them or worshiping them they can't help you they can't do anything but the power is still out there to be grabbed and used and she wants to use it. And since she's basically the closest thing to an old God left, uh, she's made a deal with these Nerubians. She's offering them uh, effectively Pokemon evolution. Uh, does that seem right? Like that's kind of what we're doing here. Like, well, yeah, they're, they're mutating, things. right? So we know that the previously they were invested with the power of the old gods and that sort of uh, pushed them into what their current form was. Um, born from their black chitin that that you know spanned across the continents of of Azeroth when the world was still young type deal, um, but now with that power, it's continuing to mutate them the the latent uh, blood of the old gods, which is in line with what we've already seen. Right, we've seen that going back to uh, Battle for Azeroth. If you go back to Battle for Azeroth and take a look at what was happening in the Titan facility, they were explaining experimenting with old god bits and blood. Like blood was a big thing of it. Gahoon was the blood god, uh, the old god of blood. So this is just taking all of that, which was set up in that expansion, and then applying it to the Nerubians, making them either bigger or meaner or whatever offshoot evolution that they're essentially being forced to go through because they're not necessarily fully undead or fully alive. They're somewhere in this weird in-between state. Uh, At least the Nerubians are. So, you know, here we are. Well, these Nerubians are supposed to be alive. I thought, I think that's something that they mentioned. Well, I thought the, uh, I thought the, I thought the, their city, the one that we are going to be dealing with was, uh, the Nerubian city of the dead, because that's where they, they all were. Cause it's the rest of the city that we started to see in the dungeon, isn't it? No, no, it's a completely different city. Oh, huh. all right then. Yeah. They weren't clear about that. I understand, but no, they've, they made the point that it's not the same place. It's, it's gonna, it's on Haketh or something. It's a different name. Uh, one of the interesting things about this though, is not just that, that, uh, Zalatath came back, but that Joe, was pretty much right when he called it that the the dwarven city that they mentioned in the old in the Oldaman books, um, I believe it's Kazalgar, is going to be it's going to be a major focus of this expansion. Uh, it's how we get into the underground world. Uh, it's it's the 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 earthen that live there are our first hint of the where of where the story is going, so to speak. Uh, it's the first it's the first place we've been to that has any, any significance to the story and, and picks up those story elements that we saw in, in the, in the old legacy of tear dungeon. Uh, Joe, you love dwarves. Do you want to talk to this one or should I keep going? Keep going. Okay. Uh, basically these earthen are, they're isolationist. Uh, we don't know if they're related. Like the, there's two different books 
in Oldemon. One of them is about the observation of the Earthen. Another is about heretics that went to, you know, that broke away and how Odin is angry at them and wants to go do something. We're not sure which group. We, we know it's the Earthen. We don't know if the heretic thing, you know, refers to them as well. Because we these guys do seem to be super into the Titans. They, they're like living by these edicts left behind by the Titans and their society is breaking up basically because they can't agree on what the Titans want. Um, so they're having arguments. They don't have any contact with the Titans, obviously. Um, and so they're arguing about, well, what do the Titans want us to do here? But they all agree that these giant machines that are part of the machine network that we already knew about uh, are, need to be maintained. And so they're fighting over how do we maintain them? While at the same time, they're also fighting the Nerubians who are coming up and trying to push through their society and to get to the surface. And at the same time that they're fighting the Nerubians, they're declining as a people because for some reason, and they've deliberately said, we're not telling you what it is yet, but for some reason, the Earthen have lost the ability to create more of their own kind. They can't reproduce. Uh, we know that the Earthen used to have, there were like machines in Olduar that made Earthen and Vrykul for that matter. Yeah, it was the uh, Isles of, the Isles of, sorry, the Isles, the, um, why can't I think of the halls, halls of, halls of lightning and halls of earth? Or- yeah. Thunder, wasn't it? Was it lightning and stone? Halls lightning. of stone. Halls of stone. Yeah. But yeah, so it's similar to that, but for whatever reason, they can't do it anymore. So they're basically in a spiral. Like they, they, they can't make more of themselves. So as they, some of them fall to the Nerubians or fall in disagreement to each other, there's no replacements. So there's like, the, you lose something every time. And as a result of this, they've lost people who knew more about maintaining the machines. So now they have to kind of just jury rig solutions. Like, uh, we don't know what to do here. We got to keep this thing working. Uh, I'm going to try gluing it together. Hey, that worked. Yay. We'll do the gluing thing from now on. Boo. It didn't work. Oh no. I guess we'd to come up with something else. And so that's the society we run into first. And of course, since Azeroth's adventurers have no sense of boundaries, we immediately insert ourselves into their lives and uh, apparently fix although, their problems. Although I did want to ask something about this because I've been I've been thinking about this for like the last three days, and I may have gotten into some slight disagreements and uh, guild chat with about it because somebody wanted to tell me I was wrong, and I want to get Matt's opinion on this. So one of the things I think is interesting is Kaz, uh, we're going back to to Kaz uh, Algar. Uh, mm-hmm. Kaz Algar is on the Isle of Dorne, correct? That is the correct, yes. It is sort of the face value. It's the main city that is there. That's where we're going to be interacting with. It's where all the dwarven architecture is, where the earthen are. Mm-hmm. Doesn't that sound a lot like an, uh, a word evolution or a, a dialect evolution of Avaloran? It could. I, when you brought that up, I actually thought that was really interesting. It doesn't necessarily mean that's what actually happened. Right, no, exactly, because we don't we don't know what happened in the book. Like the book said that the they they hated the Titans, but that may not have been the case, right? Like that's it, it's opening up an interesting set of of possibilities for what we we've been given, and I've been sort of mulling that over because there's other instances of like names and words evolving in Warcraft from the time of like the Titans and the Titan Keepers to the current world. Like we we talked about that with uh, Tirasol Glaze, right? Mm-hmm. Tears Fall Glades is Tears Fall Glades, which was Tears Fall. Like there, stuff like that happens all the time over over centuries of uh, people talking about stuff. So I thought I just think that's fascinating, and I also yeah. like the idea that it's 
you know, oh, these are people that have strayed from the Titans light. And maybe they didn't. Maybe they just really liked the Titans and saw what was going on with the Watchers and were like, yeah, no, we're out. And maybe we find out more about that. Yeah, Maybe that's the case. Or maybe the two groups are different. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's it's not the same people. I right now, I'm not. I'm not saying you're wrong. In fact, I think you've got a really interesting idea. I'm just not saying you're right because I have no idea. We have no idea. Yeah, there's no way for us to know. So I'm holding off to see. But it does Isle of Dorne and Avalorin. I can see how that would happen, especially if Avalorin was just another way of saying it. Like if they were originally called it Avalorin and for some reason they does sound got in there because they're dwarves and well, not really dwarves, but close enough. I mean, they're basically dwarves. What's really interesting is that they never; these guys have never fallen to the curse of flesh. Uh, yeah, they're that's, still that's the primordial very earthen, but they still started acting dwarvish. Like, and it's it's interesting when you think about Magni and what he when he tried to turn into like he he tried to basically become more in con- contact with Azeroth. That's a lot of what's interesting about this concept. Is like, who, who are these guys? What what is their culture like? You know, how are these stony boys going to work out? Um, it, it just, it's really interesting, but it's not the only place where we're going to find strange allies that we weren't expecting because after you get past Isle of Dorne and you start going sub, you know, subterranean, you end up in a really interesting place called the ringing deeps. And the ringing deeps is where the machinery that the uh, earthen are maintaining and the places that they get the materials to do that are located it's it's subterranean it's the first underground level after you leave the isle of dorn and, and dorn city um and dorn city if you go when you, we go there so much for the images we've seen so far the place looks exceedingly dwarven like which isn't surprising too because when we went to like when we went up to northrend and found the earthen in earthen cities they looked exceedingly dwarven like the, it's like dwarves aren't necessarily that different even after the earth, they, the curse of flesh hits the earth and turns them into dwarves. It's like the dwarves are the, the result of the curse of flesh that maintains most of their essence, which is the, why the trog ones are so disappointing because the trogs are like, no rejecting all of our essence and just turning into that. Although it's interesting to think that there were trogs on the elemental planes too. So that's something to think about. Like we, we've never actually gotten an answer to what are you making these things out of? Like, what do the Titans make the Earthen and the Vrykul out of? Is it possible that they're literally grabbing elemental beings and turning them into these things? Well, and it would make a certain amount of sense, too, right? When you think about how elementals are essentially these raw forces that are animate spirits contained within, essentially. Like, much like us, much like everything else that we've been shown to exist. So it could very well fit. And when you look at especially going back to the halls of stone and the halls of lightning and halls of stone in particular. And I think, I think that doesn't get enough attention uh, that. And um, why can't I think of the, the Mogu uh, raid with the uh, palace? Yeah. With the, the generator at the back of it, the, the, the machine that was essentially producing more of them. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think it's Mogushan palace. Yeah. So Mogushan palace, I think it was Mogushan palace might've been uh, no Mogushan palace was the dungeon not the raid. Irregardless. Um. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. 
So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. In that raid and in the Halls of Stone, you see conduits carrying something. Mogushan vaults. Mogushan vaults. Thank you. Um, it was conduits carrying something. We knew with the the Mogu, it was anima. It was the red force of life and energy that they were man- masters of manipulating, um, that they were using that to infuse into uh, essentially crafted bodies of the elements of stone to make them alive. And they would they would spring to life. When you're going through the halls of stone, you see conduits of energy. You don't know what it is, but it's white and looks very much like what we've seen animal look like in the Shadowlands, just saying. Uh, and you see these pits and rows of empty shells of of the the Vrykruel, essentially the Proto-Vrykruel, and the, the Proto-Earthen. And you even in the encounter, uh, at the end of that dungeon, you're facing off against a machine and somebody wielding it that is breathing new life into these shells. It would make sense, right? Like it would make sense that they're taking raw elemental forces, maybe even raw elemental beans, uh, and repurposing them into uh, shells for or vessels for whatever amount of spirit they need to accomplish their task. It's it's going to be wild when we start to actually like look at what they're doing because why did they lose their ability to create more? Did they lose access to the machine? Did we break that? Because don't forget, we, several points in the last you know, three expansions, we've done some real big chicanery when it came to like messing with Titan machines. Um, heck, uh, going through and and they're with fighting is off. We relinked everything there and pushed it all to, to sort of try to, except for old which got disconnected uh, because, you know, Memron, uh, but like, did we break it by pushing too much energy through it? Or did we, you know, cause it to stop functioning because maybe the ley line that was powering it isn't there anymore. Um, also, because one of the things I think is interesting is, uh, Kazalgar, which was originally known as, I think it was sector AR, I want to say 938 or something like that, um, was a geological anomaly that the original earthen were sent to go investigate. Um, so it was like a fissure or something going deep into the earth that, that probably led them into this thing. This doesn't feel like it was originally a full Titan facility. So maybe whatever they took with them broke down over time. I, I'm looking forward to digging into that more. Uh, because I want to see 
it would be the first time we would see a group of people outside of an immediate Titan facility or something that was really, really close to a Titan facility that had the ability to sort of procreate in that way. Um, yeah. So I don't know, maybe portable, portable Titan device. I have no idea. Sorry. There's a lot of me rambling. No, that's absolutely fine. And it is interesting to think about this concept of, you know, one of the things they promised, uh, and, and I'll just be upfront, Chris Metzen was up there on stage talking. And so after a while, you just kind of listen, it's like to, to hoping he will accidentally reveal something. Mm-hmm. Sometimes he does. And I don't know if this was accidental or not, but one of the things he pointed out was that this series of expansions is going to be about finding out exactly what the Titans are really up to. Which is sort of and, like a baseline theory, uh, baseline thing that we've been dealing with with Dragonflight, right? That's been the yeah. that's mm-hmm. been the theme since the very beginning. And I think that that's interesting because dragons themselves in Dragonflight are revealed to be affected by the Titans in ways they don't necessarily originally think about. Like the whole idea that the the water that's being used in the in the uh, the life pools is changing them. It's the reason that they went to, that the uh, proto dragons. And the dragons ended up fighting in the first place. And that's interesting when you think about con- contain- connecting that to why the Trogs exist both in like the elemental plane of Earth and on Azeroth. And they're the elemental beings in the elemental plane of Earth. Does that mean that the original Trogs were taken? Because one thing that always comes to my mind is that, tro- you know, the Mogu used the Trogs too. Yeah. The Mogu turned the Trogs Grimmels. into you know, into grummels. Yeah. They, the lucky do guys. And so what if that was just them doing what the Titans had done before? Well, and we know Titans had gone to the elemental planes and found things like the, 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 the Trogs and the giants. We know there are various kinds of elemental giants out Mm -hmm. there. And when we, we got to Dragonflight, um, the dragons, the the giants, they're fighting whose name drug. It's not the drug bar. Yeah. Drug bar. Okay, they're, is it? I thought they're, 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 they're the big, they're, they're the big, they're the big uh, troglodytes. Okay, well, those guys. Uh, there's a story they tell about a Vrykul showing up and essentially becoming like a lord among them, and that started me thinking: what if the 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 Titans did to the Drogbar what they did to the dragons? What if they put some of them through the order process and changed them into Vrykul? And and what if that's the same thing with what happened to the uh, Trogs? What if that's how they got dwarves? And what if that's why when we see, like, it, this is something we've seen with the, the Well of Eternity, which was supposed to be Azerite, which is the blood, you know, it's it's the blood of, of the Titan that is the world. Mm-hmm. If, what if that process that, that made Dark Trolls into Night Elves and murlocs into the fish people whose name Jin, Jinyu. Jinyu. what if that process is also what happens in the life pools what if he's literally just taking the water from the well of eternity uh f- you know filtering it maybe you know focusing it m- much like you would when you make a distillate and then using it on the dragons well i mean what if he doesn't have to like it could also just be taking the raw power and essence of azeroth which is essentially the ley lines and running it through a water filtration process where it's infusing the waters with that energy it which is essentially accomplishes the, the same thing yeah. yeah that's what the well of eternity was because what was coming out of azeroth wasn't literally blood no we've seen what azerite is and it's not actually blood but it when you get exposed to it, it changes you. And that's the thing about the entire well of Trinity did that. 
And so I started thinking about it in terms of what the, we see the Titan forged. We never really think about what Titan forged means. Like the greatest ones were directly made by the Titans, but then they started making followers. And we've seen that Odin was really disturbed by making followers out of mortal beings. Why? Because he'd been making followers out of pure elemental things? Because we, because he was making followers. That's what the Vrykul were. The Earthen were followers, right? Mm-hmm. So there's the Mogu, obviously. Um, not just the Mogu, either. The, the cat. Tolvir. Uh, yeah, the Tolvir, the Obsidian Destroyers. All of them are created by the Titans, and they're almost always elemental in nature. And we've like talked about how destroyers. And we've talked about how all the life on Azeroth that we deal with it is descended from them. Sort of has a, um, for lack of a better term, an elemental um, lean. Like they're they're very susceptible to it. They're very keen to absorb that energy. And also, I mean, while we're talking about this, and and this will be coming in shortly to something else we're about to talk about. When we also have not just that they're all having an elemental bent, but that they all when they're all getting affected by the curse of flesh in one way or another, the Mogu, the Tolvir, the, uh, us, the earthen, the Vrykul turning into humans. It, and it's all along that same line. Oh, I can't remember the name of the giants from, uh, battle for Azeroth. The ones that we saw again in Shadowland. Oh, um, Oh God, I can't remember their name. I know because there's just so much to remember. There's yeah, there's too much. Give us give us give us a break out there. I know there's somebody who's yelling about it, but <laughs> uh, like, Scrogs, no, Scrogs, or no. Scrogs are the sea giants. No, yeah, no. So yeah, um, we should point out that we figured out that the, it's not it wasn't the drog bar. It was, it the, was Jardin, the Jardin. Yeah, uh, in in uh, Dragonflight. Sorry, I know you, some of you guys are gonna come after us. Um, the ones we were just talking about were the Drustvar and the the Drust in Drustvar. They were very similar to the Vrykul in their first appearances. And there's certainly some argument for them being stranded Vrykul um, who got there before the humans who were also well, we, descended. From I think the we kind of know that, don't we? Like they, when we were doing the storyline in battle for Azeroth, I thought they pretty much cons- uh, confirmed that, that they don't ever actually say it. Nobody actually comes out and says, these guys are Vrykul, but it's very, it's very obvious if you look at them for any length of time. Uh, but regardless, all that stuff makes me think about, this concept of the Titans are much more heavily involved in changing stuff on Azeroth than we'd been previously led to believe. And we knew that they were because we knew that they were building giant engines again, which we're going to see more of in war within like uh, you were talking about the, the engines, both the, the engine of Malak Shah that you were talking about in uh, Mogushan vaults and the engine of the makers up in, in Ulduar. They're basically the same thing. They're basically engines for creating new earthen Mogu, Vrykul, and so forth. Um, and we, you know, the, the halls of, there's the halls of origination in, in, uh, I want to say Silithus, but it's not right. It's the zone next to Silithus, Oldham. It's Oldham. Hall, yep. The halls of origination, which basically can reformat the whole planet. They can just reduce life to back down to sand and go, you know, and then re-originate them. There's a lot of, a lot of this stuff. If you really stop and look at it. I think it's playing into what we're going to see in the war within and beyond that, because after the war within, which we we will talk more about, um, there's midnight, which is apparently going to be taking place mostly in Quel'Thalas. 
and it's the you know the servants of the old gods or the servants of the void lords, whichever it's going to be, because according to Zalatas, the old gods are dead. You know, the, they're going to show up and try and destroy the Sunwell, which is interesting. Like, I'm curious why the sudden interest in the Sunwell. Well, that's the thing; it's not all that sudden because if you go back and look at the Void Elf introduction, we saw that the Sunwell, as it was now, and the Void are inimical to each other. And they were driven out. That's one of the reasons that the Void Elves ended up joining the Alliance. Because Alaria was like, okay, you know, I I understand what you're going through. You can come over with us. And that's that's something that they've never really dealt with since. So I'm not not surprised that they're doing it. I do wonder if it means that we're going to get Zalatath for two expansions. I mean, we're probably going to get Zalatath for three expansions, if we're being honest. Like, I think one of the things that I think is interesting and... I'm going to keep patting us on the back because we basically nailed this years ago, but it's all one common story thread that's been going since Legion, really, um, maybe a little bit before then. It's been this continuous timeline, and I think that Zaltath being around for all of it is probably going to make the most amount of sense because going back to something we talked about before, uh, we went back in time when we did the Chromie stuff, this expansion, uh, we went back to the Black Empire. We went back to specifically Nizoth's little domain, uh, and he got to see a whole bunch of the future through us uh, because that's a thing that we let him do because, well, adventurers. Um, he also had a e- meeting with Zalatath, the expansion prior, where he basically separated her from the weapon and sent her off. But there was part of that conversation where it was like, you know what to do next. And I'm paraphrasing because I can't remember the exact wording or the quote, but then she just nodded and left. And then she pops up with the Eridicron encounter when we were doing that inside of uh, the timeways. So since we got to here where we are now and she showed up, this seems like it's all been part of a plan or all something that may have been preordained. You brought this up when we talked about it originally with the whole going back, like we gave him everything he needed to know up to a certain point. Um, and that could have been all the difference in the world in, in time and space and reality of Nazoth, who was arguably the most clever of the old gods to plan. And maybe he is dead or maybe he isn't. Uh, maybe this plan of, of Zalatath's where, we know that right now in the war within they're gathering the black blood of the old gods. Maybe that's to re make Nazoth reborn. Um, Zalatath technically is a part of Nazoth or was a part of Nazoth that gained sentience. So there might be something there, but in midnight, when they move forward, the void, the forces of the void that are at the, the beck and call essentially of Zalatath uh, going against that might also play into the final Titan. Now, we're talking about where we're going to go. We don't know that we're going to kill her. We haven't been able to beforehand. Uh, we don't know what the end game is for her yet, but that may all play into it. This is probably all bits and pieces. It's all part of the World Soul Saga for for you know all intents and purposes. So it's safe to assume that it's all one common running thread. Everything we learn from here on out is going to affect the next one and the next one more so maybe than some of the other expansions. And it's really like after we do Midnight, we know that... The name of the last expansion is The the Last Titan. Mm -hmm. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Which we know what that is because we've been dealing with that one going all the way back to Mists of Pandaria. Because when Rathion consumed the heart of... You must um, rebuild the final Titan. Yep. Yeah, he had the he had the image of you know the the Titans telling him you must rebuild the final Titan. Do not forget. We've seen a lot of speculation since, and a lot of we've done a lot of stuff that t- that touched back in on Azeroth as a Titan or as something possibly even greater than a Titan. Uh, in fact, the word Titan might not even mean what we think it means. It might just be the name that certain groups use for any powerful being of this sort. Um, the fact that we call them the Titans doesn't mean that the, you know, the, the, the undying ones, not the undying ones, the, the eternal ones from the Shadowlands could First possibly ones. be Titans. No, I, I, no, I don't mean them. Oh, I the Pantheon the, of Death? Yeah, they could be considered Titans uh, in certain systems. Uh, but the first ones, I, I, that's, that's a whole other thing. We, we don't even know what we don't know about those guys. Um, but there's a lot of this stuff happening. That's t- like we said, harkens back, go, it goes back expansions. Like, like the, the final, the, you know, you must rebuild the final Titan. That's Miss Pandaria, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and that's something that hasn't been resolved since. So yeah, there's a lot of threads. Uh, and one of the things that was said at BlizzCon that I thought was really interesting about that was that. This is basically intended to be, for lack of a better word, it's it's the story that moves World of Warcraft past its 20th anniversary, which is next year. Next November is the 20th anniversary of World of Warcraft. You know, if, if you feel like screaming internally, I understand. Um, I too feel that way, but nevertheless, that much time has actually passed, and this is the story that's meant to essentially not sum it all up, but bring it all together. Like we're supposed to, by the end of this, we will have completed that chapter and we will have moved into the next one. Um, there's a lot we still don't know. And I, I, one thing I wanted to mention that because we didn't really mention it is one of the surprises is that we're going to actually meet the Arathi in yeah. uh, the world within. And it, that's weird because in a, in a really interesting way, it's actually very fitting because this is an underground expansion. And it's essentially a hollow earth expansion. It's gigantic underground caverns so big that they have their own sun sort of thing. This is, it's very Edgar Rice Burroughs in places. And one of the things he loved to do was you'd bump into a lost city of Romans or whatever. Mm-hmm. And having the Arathi be around so underground and doing like to them, the Holy light is all fire based. All their Holy light visions are fire based and they're a militant are you know aggressive martial society where everybody fights some of them actually have paladin like powers based around that idea of holy fire and i mean if you remember 
Legion. One of the things that happened was because we were getting various artifacts, we got little slivers of history of those artifacts. One of the artifacts was Stromkar, the Blade of Thoradin. And we had to get it back by going to the Tomb of Tyr, which was in Tyr's Fall, because that's where tomb, the Tyr fell, as Joe just pointed out. Tyr fall, Tyr's Fall, Tyr's Fall. Um, when we went in there, I mean, paladins had missions to go there. I think priests did too, and and warriors did to get Stromkar. Uh, as a result, you get a picture of the of what happened to Tyr that they where they buried him, which we're dealing with. We've been dealing with in this expansion in Dragonflight. We've been trying to recreate Tyr, like we recreated his body. We're trying to get his mind back. And so I'm sure that's going to be part of the continued story of Dragonflight yeah. because that's not done yet. Yeah, absolutely. And so, as a result of all that, I think that the you know we find out about Lordane who is the guy Lordaeron is named after. Mm -hmm. He was like, during the building of the Arathor, uh, Thoradin conquered a whole bunch of human tribes and brought them in that way. He didn't try that with Lordaen and his people. He basically went to them and said, look, you believe in this holy fire from, you know, these ancient, you know, giants. I'm totally okay with that. That can become the state religion of my empire. Cause we don't really have one right now. Everybody believes some, in uh, some other weird thing. So yeah, you can be the unifying force that ties us all together. And Lord Aim was like, you're just doing this so that I'll join you and help you conquer other people. And, Th and Thoradin's like, absolutely. Lord Aim's like, I am okay with that. And so they struck a bargain and it was Lord Aim, uh, Thoradin and Trollbane, who was the first Trollbane. Uh, he, he had another name, but I don't remember it. Um, the three of them, basically joined forces and created the first human empire, the, the Arathi uh, empire, the, the kingdom of Arathi, the empire of Arathor. Yeah. The empire. It's also sometimes called the kingdom of Arathi, but yeah, you're right. <laughs> the the uh, empire of Arathor. And when Thoradin died, it broke up. Yeah. Into they became the various small kingdoms. Yeah. Lodoran, Lodoran, Kul'tiris, Gilneas, Dalaran, Stormguard, Alteric, and Stormwind are all descended from the Arathi people. Yeah. And as a result of that, like one of the things that happened was the lineage of Thoradin uh, left Strom and left it in the hands of the Trollbane line and moved south to, to um, Stormwind, which is where Anduin Lothar descended from. He was descended from an actual king. He was descended from one of, of, uh, of Thoradin's sons. So he was of the blood of Thoradin. He was the, the rightful ruler of Arathor, and he's therefore the inheritor of the promise that the, the High Elves made to Arathor. They made a, a promise specifically to Thoradin that their line would always come to aid his line. And that's why during the, 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 uh, the First and Second War, that's why Lothar was able to get um, I can't remember uh, Anastarian's name, and I just remembered his name while I was saying I couldn't remember it. That's interesting. Uh, Anastarian joined forces King with Anastarian. the humans. Because yep. yeah, King Asterian joined forces of the humans because of that that swearing that that promise, and that's what if some of the like what if only some of the Arathi went to Stormwind? In fact, that seems like to be what happened, right? Yeah, almost almost assuredly. Like we we know that there are other like the other kingdoms were also Arathi. Like they only became non-Arathi as time passed, and they you know they called their kingdoms new names and so forth, but. We know that Lordane was from Lordaeron, but we also know that he didn't go back there because there weren't like there wasn't anybody guarding the tomb of Tyr. When we go to it, there's no guards there, and Lordane and his people were the guards of that tomb. 
what if they went looking for Tyr? Or, see, the other thing that I think is interesting, too, is that what if they didn't go looking for Tyr? What if they went looking for the thing behind Tyr? Kinda. Right? So, like, they're, they're sort of... Tyr was a lot more forthcoming with the people around him than the other Titan Watchers ever were. Mm-hmm. And we know that. We know that, like, even the dragons considered him as a friend. We've gone through a bunch of the data recovery for him. We've learned a lot about him where, you know, he might not have. I, we don't know yet. And I'm, I'm, this is 100% speculation. He may not have bought in 100% to whatever the Titans were doing. He may have. He certainly didn't buy in 100% to what Odin was doing. 100%. But he, he also seems like he may. And I brought this up months ago at this point and i think there might be truth to this because of all of the watchers and i think this is something that the titans never really considered is that all the watchers sort of evolved and got their own personalities they weren't the programmed vessels that they always were uh and maybe part of that is because they got the essence of the titans slammed into them when sargeras slew the, the the pantheon or maybe it's an effect of being on azeroth being constructed. Yeah, where basically Azeroth's Titan essence is much closer. Yeah. And unformed, but more powerful because it's there all the time. But not only that, what are Titan facilities where the Watchers live? Mm-hmm. There are these things that sit on top of these fonts of power that were made to, and I'm air quoting, heal the planet, um, heal the, the Titan. But there's so much anima and Titan essence and, and spirit flowing through them. If the Trolls living next to the, the to a, a little pond, essentially at the point. Yeah, the well of uh, eternity was about the size of like Lake Michigan. It was, yeah. it was big, but it's not not nothing. Not an ocean. Size land. Yeah, but it's like it's a lake. In in they live they're living there, and it's not exactly a swirling vortex of energies all of the time. It's kind of subdued. That was sort of the whole point of it, redirecting the energies back into it. They're mutated. They become something completely different. Every other race and every other creation that has lived next to or near these facilities has evolved. Let's I mean, we go back to the Curse of Flesh. We can go back to the Tolvir. Essentially, half the buildings in the Tolvir settlements are Titan facilities. Of course, they're going to shift over time and change. They're, they're raw dude, arcane dude. power. Go ahead. You you talked about this a long time ago. Uh-huh. Um, if we go to Alduar, there are big glowing forms of various species from Azeroth. Uh-huh. Including trolls, Torin, and night elves. And mermaids. Also mermaids. Yeah, and mermaids. Uh, we're going to meet them sooner or later, guys, I promise. Um, but then I was thinking We already did they're called about, well, sorry, we already did they're called Naga. Yeah, but that's a different story. I I was you were talking about it and I was thinking as about that and then I was like, wait a minute. The uh the temple um of Alun mm-hmm. was already had elf stuff all over the inside of it mm-hmm. and it's like what if we we keep assuming that these mutations are random what if they're not what if they, they're planned they're, and, is- and that's the thing you talked about before what if they're planned what if this is exactly and and we talked about it when we were talking about the curse of flesh itself what if the curse of flesh isn't a curse it's just a program destination it's where you're supposed to be going it's just that the old gods figured out how to weaponize it they figured out how to essentially get into the back door of the thing that the Titans built into us from the beginning. And then they could access it. They could push it. And when the, when the Mogu quote unquote reverse engineered it, they just figured out how to run like a reformatting program to put them back to the state they were in before it started. So I, they essentially went back to an earlier copy of the program. 
I have a weird theory about that. And I don't think there's any, this is just an idle thought and there's not a whole lot to back it up, but y'all love tinfoil hat theories. And, and I'll, I'll, I swear I will loop this back to what we were talking about before, but I always wondered if the curse of flesh was a built-in program destination to sever us from the connection deeply to Azeroth. Because if you think about it, what did Magni have to do in order to become the speaker for Azeroth? He essentially became an earthen again. Yeah. A diamond one. But still an earth and still made of the elements of Azeroth itself. Although, uh, although, uh, two things with that. One is that the discs of Norganon, the doctored ones, mm-hmm. those are the ones up north. The ones you find in Aldemon are the original discs of Norganon. Mm-hmm. The ones that Tyr and Arcadis and uh, Aranaya stole from Loken. And they say that the beings on Azeroth were created y- uniquely. Mm-hmm. out of rock and stone and earth and the titans usually don't do that they usually make flesh beings so why wouldn't they make a program to tr- to to eventually make these things fully living things if that's what you want in these planets anyway so you make creations that are earth and stone and rock and all that such well yeah because you need them to, you need them to die yeah you need but you need them to follow they f- to fight the old gods, but then when they're done, then they will. The thing about the the Titan process is it's orderly, but it's not changeless. Yeah. If the if the Titan Forge stay rock and stone and earth, they don't change. They don't evolve. Evolution is the big thing here. This what is the Titan blood? What is the blood of the old gods? What is the blood of the Titans doing? It's evolving things. Well, the, in, the whole deal with Ashara. Not not Ashara. The whole deal with like the night elves is it got they got evolved. The dragons got evolved. It's pushing them in a direction, and, and it, it feels like that direction is something that we have not really gotten to look travel with yet. Go ahead. But, I'm sorry. but I was gonna say, but it also makes sense though too because going back to what we were just talking about with the war within, Earthen can't procreate. They generate maybe shells, and we saw this with the Mogu. They generate shells, but they're shoving spirit into it they're not living a life and what did we learn in shadowlands the sum of your experiences in life is what gives your soul power it's what gives the anima the juice it needs and so what do you also do when you're a living being you procreate you create another life that life replaces yours when you are no longer on this mortal coil in theory you have more than one because this is your know, fantasy setting and i mean even thrall's got two kids it's kind of what happens i mean it's just a thing just run with it but then that life continues to gain experience and it produces new life and you start a chain of constantly constantly generating new life new power new experience and then feeds back into the cosmos itself or feeds back into the planet through those titan facilities that are all over the place or feeds back into the great machine of death that we know exists in the shadowlands you are powering the universe by creating a life that will expire if that makes sense yeah and it also when it while it is being alive before it expires it makes new life that is different Uh uh-huh and so you can get a continuous a continuous perfection process is constantly running making things change to fit new situations evolution again and i'm going to tie this back to the arathi here because we all we know about the Arathi that we're going to meet is that they are combative, that they still worship the light as fire. And think about what that means. That to them, the light is fire. 
that they think about it as fire. They think about it as an element. Which makes and, sense. Also, yeah, it makes it makes absolute sense because fire would have been the initial source of light that they had. Keep in mind that the, the human ancestors were were descended from the Vrykul, but they were like left. Of, they were basically when Tyr died, uh, and the Vrykul were getting old and dying. They basically left behind a bunch of children and like near adults who had no connection to their previous life. Mm-hmm. So they couldn't even read Vrykul. Like they were just completely isolated and lost and the, what they knew about themselves, it took them thousands of years to rise up to the point where they created their own societies. Yeah. And I think that feeds into the, to, to what we were talking about a little bit earlier with the Arathi and, and Tyr and stuff like that. Like, I don't think the Arathi disappeared into for no purpose. And we're, I think we're going to figure that out real quick. Mm-hmm. Also, I had a guildy who thought that they might've been undead, by the way. I, I mean, I love you and respect you, but you're wrong. They're not undead. No, they would specifically talk about them as living people. Yeah. Um, uh, but, but interestingly to go back to what you're saying. Uh, and I think that you'll then say something along those lines. I think that anything they knew about tier would be like third, fourth, fifth hand. Oh yeah, at this point it's at this point it's like epic stories being passed down through oral tradition. But and we know that Stromkar was a Vrykul weapon yeah. and it wasn't a two-handed weapon. No. It was a cleaver or something and it just got used as a two-handed weapon cuz literally it was so big that was all they could use it as. Yeah, but we also I mean we also know that the, the paladins with the silver hand look how big that one is it's a two-handed hammer. It wasn't a two-handed hammer. It was a one-handed hammer. Yeah, um, just that the person using it happened to be really really big. Yeah. I, but I think it's interesting though cuz the Arathi might have been going on a mission and or something that going back well, to what we well, originally well, started. Yeah. Sorry. Well, go ahead. Go ahead. Because when we you originally something in my head, sorry. I, I love when we do this. Uh, but I was talking about how the evolution of language happens with like naming conventions. It also happens with stories, especially with things that are passed down through people, especially if those people are on the move or in a place where they can't fully settle. Right. And the Arathi, after the fall of the human kingdoms and, and being spread out and after Tearsall and everything else, sort of fit that bill, right? They don't really they don't really have a singular place anymore unless they got absorbed into another culture. And if they went to uh, the Isles of Doran or Avaloran or whatever we want to call it, and off of the writings or teachings or stories that were passed down that Tyr told his guard, his close personal friends, the ones that he traveled with across the world, uh, and maybe that tradition, they went forth and were starting to find out these things that Tyr held sacred, or maybe they thought that this was a way that they could bring him back. But it's it's interesting because they that may have shifted from whatever their original mission was. We don't know what they're doing now, and that may be completely yeah. different than what Tyr originally told them. But one thing I will point out is while while you were talking, it occurred to me, wait a minute, Matt. How did Thoradin's sword end up in the tomb of Tyr in the first place? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, because Thoradin went to the tomb of Tyr, and even though he knew he wasn't supposed to, went down into the tomb, which mm-hmm. Lord Lordane had always told him, don't don't do this, don't go in there. It's absolutely a bad idea. And in the process, he woke up Zakajaz, mm-hmm. whose name will never not sound like an exclamation to me. Or jazz hands, yeah, yeah, Zakajaz. Uh, but regardless, he woke him up and realized, oh, I got to kill this guy. And so he, he, you know, gave up his own life to kill him, but he left behind instructions. Mm-hmm. And what if he learned about the tomb of Tyr through Lordane, but he'd done his own research and he talks about it. What if he's basically told Lordane, look, 
uh, you know, here's, here's my note to you. If I don't come back from that place, it's your charge to find out more about us. Where do we come from? What's our what, purpose? What is, what is our purpose? Why are these, you know, giant things left behind? Why are they so big to us? Like, you know, all the stuff that he wouldn't know, but that he would now know was stuff to, to know because he'd been to tears tomb. He'd been inside it. When we go inside it, it's absolutely full of, of shadow monsters. But when he went inside it, it was a Titan facility. Mm -hmm. So why was tear buried in a Titan facility? Because it was part of the Oldamon complex, most likely because look at where it is. And we know that these Titan facilities can be massive. And we know that, that, um, Arcadis and Aranaya moved on to the main complex, which is where they, you know, effectively woke up the dwarves from the uh, earthen that were already in there and who had already started changing. But that's where they brought the disc of an organin. We also don't know what happened to Tyr's original body. No, we do not. So there's a lot. There's a lot going on here that ties into this stuff that we've seen before. The 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 Arathi showing up now is really fascinating because it's 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 literally like if you went on a trip somewhere say you were going on a mission to fight like this enemy that you knew you were going to be fighting and on the way down to fight them you bumped into the romans still being romans mm -hmm. like that's how that's that's how far back the emperor of arathor actually is from azeroth at the time of world of warcraft it's several thousand years i think it's closer to four thousand years almost yeah yeah and so this is like bumping into ancient Egyptians who are just hanging out doing ancient Egyptian stuff. And you're like, what the heck? So I am super down for this. I am, I am super excited to see the Arathi show up and see how they are. Uh, I've heard a lot of people ask, does that mean they're an allied race? I think the only allied race we know about at this point are the earthen. The earthen can join both the horde and Alliance. I am loving the idea of earthen in the horde. Uh, I, I, I don't think I'll play one, but I think it's fascinating. The idea of the horde finally getting the dwarves that so many horde people have wanted and maybe being like, Oh God, maybe we shouldn't, shouldn't have wanted them. They're taking over the place. Um, but regardless, I think it's great. I think it is absolutely wonderful that we're going to get playable earthen and I would be down for playable Arathi. I just think it would be weird if the horde essentially got two Alliance races. You also the I mean? fact like, I mean, the Arathi are kind of like Kaltirans are physically different. Arathi yeah. seem to be mostly just physically human. The I just don't, I don't think the Kulturan physical difference is meant to be anything other than just the Kulturan live a different lifestyle. Sure. But, and here's, here's the thing I'm thinking about. Right now, the Horde has essentially Night Elves, and when they get the Earth, and they're going to have essentially Dwarves. And if you gave them the Vrykul or the Arathi or whatever, now they have essentially human. At what point is the Horde actually different than the Alliance? You know what I mean? But I think that's part of where we want to, I mean, at least me, uh, that's where I want to go. Like, I wouldn't mind going there. I'm just saying you have to think about it in terms of if you're attempting to maintain that kind of balance or not. Sure. And for that matter, I would absolutely love it if there were ogres and Torin in the, in the Alliance. I did like somebody saying, look, if the dwarf, if the dwarves are finally getting, like if the, if the horde's finally getting dwarves, we need Torin. There needs to be a transfer here. It isn't fair that you guys got elves and now you're getting dwarves and we don't have Torin or orcs or nothing. Uh, so I would kind of find that hilarious uh, if we did get like, especially if we got really small Torin, like gnome sized Torin, <laughs> that would be really funny to me. But regardless, uh, I, there's so much more to talk about and there's like a lot more we could, there's just a lot more that was revealed. The problem is that we weren't given tremendous details on it. Yeah. And, like, and we're not going to for a while, right? Like we, yeah. we, we still this got plenty to go through on Dragonflight. 
The first expansion is a year away from now. They want to put it out in late 2024. So we will not be seeing, for example, we will not know more about uh, Midnight than we know about it via the title and what we've been told. Uh, but I am wondering, like, there's story stuff that that I want. They, one of the things they pointed out, there was a cinematic and it's great. Uh, it's actually a little disturbing to watch the cinematic because they made Anduin look so much like the person who is his voice actor. Oh, I... I want you to do this, and then I'm gonna. I have one problem with it, and it's lore go based, ahead. and I will tell no, you. Go ahead. No, go. go tell, ahead. tell, tell, tell. Talk about it real quick. All right. Basically, Anduin is sitting there uh, in Silithus, uh, being mopey, and Thrall shows up and is like, "You've heard the voices too." And Anduin's like, "I can't help you. I'm corrupted." And Thrall's like, "Dude, you're you're you. We left you alone because we knew you needed time. But time by itself doesn't heal anything. Come on, we gotta get we gotta we gotta get together and and save Azeroth." And then they both get this vision of a seething thing looks somewhat similar to the green sun that people were getting when they went to uh, Argus. That, that was actually the spirit of Argus. This time it's most likely, although doesn't, no one actually says it's most likely the spirit of Azeroth jam- jamming itself in their heads. And they're like, okay, fine. I'll, you know, Anduin's like, I'll help you. But what is this voice that we're hearing? And Thrall goes, I don't know. But that, and he points to the big sword in Silithus that everyone's been demanding we do something about for years, it was that was most likely aimed at something. And that's the end of the cinematic. Go ahead, Joe. My only complaint about the cinematic and its its story based is part of the whole reason Azeroth needed a speaker before was that it couldn't communicate with the denizens of Azeroth. And now it's just kind of happening. And I'm, I'm not yeah. sure why. And I, I really hope we get an explanation for that because then I feel like Magni is just like, kind of missing out because he can't hug his kid anymore like he can't really feel like and i'm like this entire time i'm watching the cinematic i just have this image of like magni like sitting there like really i've been talking about the specific thing for years i've been telling you about this voice for years come on like yeah facetiousness aside like it, it was a very cool cinematic um, honestly i find myself wondering i don't think it is actually azeroth talking to me but they show the what looks like they Azerite show, pulsing, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Which is, I do which, think that it is something based on Azerite, and I think it is in Azeroth's behest that they are being called. <laughs> I just one of the things in the other clips they showed was Ilaria Windrunner riding back, saying the visions I've gotten are not the visions other people have gotten, and she starts talking about visions of shadow and darkness and. Visions of Zalatath show, you know, which Sa- makes Sa- sense. Which makes sense if she's if Zalatath is calling out to those touched by the void. The void elves are all touched by the void, so that would make yeah. a certain amount of sense. But think about it this way: if the void is what's the threat, it might not be Azeroth itself that is talking to them. It might be the light because the light, the light wants a specific outcome, and it has done this before. All of the visions that Velen got were from the light. And if you're going to be sending visions to someone on Azeroth who's in touch with the light, Anduin's another another one of them. Now, the question becomes, why is it hitting Thrall? Well, because Thrall took the place of uh, the Black Dragon flight when they were doing the Dragon Soul, took on Maybe. that mantle and touched the deep places. That's one thing that we did that we we haven't really talked about in the while is in a while is during that entire event when Thrall was you know, helping power yeah, the dragons. All Mithari, yeah. um, he comments on like the things I've seen as a result of it, but like 
Eve refers to it, I think, as like shadows and images because he can't fully remember what he saw. Maybe this is part of that, too. Maybe that's what puts him in tune with it. But then at that same point, uh, are the other dragons going to be feeling that as well? Are they going to be at the end of this expansion hearing and listening to things? Go ahead. We know that the Dragon Scale Expedition is involved in this next In Midnight, yes. The Dragon Scale Expedition is there. In in the War Within. I'm sorry. Yeah, I I meant War Within. Apologies. They're they're behind the delves, which are that's more of a game mechanical thing, but th- basically there's a thing going on in the game where you, you go on delves and that's them. That's the dragon scale expedition. So they're continuing to work. Uh, and remember that the dragon scale expedition was started by Ashara. Yeah. She's the one who like said, get together your people. Uh, you don't, don't bring your fighting to my place. If you come, you come as, a, as like you working together. And so she's still got a hand in this next expansion. And that's, also very interesting there's a there is a lot of the the lore implications here are the real draw because we don't know yet what's going on but we know enough to know what could be going on uh so yeah there's a lot of like just the arathi by themselves i'm like how did you get there like did you like get on your your airships and just start heading for the isle of dorn like how did you know where it was like did you get in some other way did you not go through the giant, you know, pathway down on the Isle of Dorne? And, and if you didn't go through that way, how did you get in? And to what end? What were you doing? Why are you here? And there's lots of possibilities, but we have no idea right now what the actual answer is. Like, did Lord Dane lead them down there? Is Lord Dane even involved in this? Um, or, or, I mean, he has to at least be involved in it to the set, to the extent of, they're using the same techniques that he brought to the Alliance, not the Alliance, sorry, to the, to the empire of Arathor, like that whole deal about using the Holy fire. To oh attack yeah. Thing, Cause that's, that's what he, that's what he did. The, that's what the technique he got to help unite the, the tribes, right? Yes. That's the whole deal that Thoradin and the fact that Thoradin's name is Thoradin and not like, you know, it's the empire of Arathor. His name's Thor, not Arathor. Is Arathor originally like it wasn't called the Empire of Arathor? Maybe it was just called Arathor, and the Thor part was just Thoradin's name. Like an Ar was like the ancient word for empire, maybe. And now that they're the Arathi, like you talked before about linguistic drift, that's something to consider. Like, well, are we going to get to see that period of history? Because we've never gotten the Arathi in game. We've been to places that there were obviously theirs, like Strom. Yeah. Stromgard was originally Strom, the original capital city of the Empire of Arathor. The Arathi Highlands are the first place that they they, they take they took and held. And like the Arathi uh, Arathi Basin, that's like that's all the original uh, Arathi settlements. Mm-hmm. And all this stuff, like it's really interesting because we we still don't really know for sure what the Horde has left in those areas. Like after Battle for Azeroth, it felt very strongly like the Horde had been pushed out of at least the Highlands. Um, they certainly lost the fight over Stromgard. Like they were straight up beaten, but were, did they like, have they lost more? Like, are they still in Alterac? Cause Alterac is another place that, that the Arathi settled the kingdom of Alterac, which is one we didn't mention, but Alterac was another Arathi kingdom. Mm-hmm. And so all this stuff is like in the game and has been in the game since before war world of Warcraft, like Alterac goes back. Arathi goes back. They're all from Warcraft too. Um, Stor- Stor- obviously Stormwind is from the original uh, Warcraft, but it's it was actually named Stonewind uh, in the first version of that game. So that's that that's just you know stuff happens as you make more games. 
but there's just so much. And the earthen and what's going on with them, we're going to get to see the Nerubians, and we're going to get to see a Nerubian kingdom of living Nerubians who are making deals for their own benefit, not because they're forced into them. I mean, they're tricked into them possibly, but yeah. And, and what is Zalatath doing? Like, why did Zalatath need that essence that, that Eridocron gave her? And why, what did Eridocron get for it? What is he up to? Like, will we see Eridocron again in, in War Within? Or are we going to not see him for a while? Like, is he not going to show up till midnight? Just so much stuff like that. Uh, I'm going to let Joe, if you've got anything you want to talk about here, go for it. No, I mean, you pretty much hit all the things that I was going to bring up right that right there. It's like, it's we have so much that this expansion is setting up that will probably play out as well in these, the Eridocron stuff in particular. Um, and I think it, I am predicting now that Eridocron will become a thing in Midnight. I don't think we're going to see him in the War Within. Um, if we do, it'll probably just be in a couple of couple. If that, yeah. It'll be something with like backtracking and, and looking at his interactions with Zalatath. But Midnight, I think, is where we're going to be seeing it because one of the things Eridocron is good at is planning and consolidating power. Not in the same way that Fyrak is hungry for it. Um, Fyrak doesn't, like, he's he wants that power. He wants to be the most powerful. Eridocron doesn't have that same yeah, for zealousness. Yeah, it's not about being most powerful. It's about achieving your objective. But that Sunwell is a real good objective, isn't it? Well, plus, I mean, one of the things Eridocron has, you know, kind of been saying this whole time is that he wants to destroy the legacy of the Titans. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, the, the Sunwell feels like a, at least a good stepping stone on that way. And for that matter, like the, the fact that the last expansion of this series is called The Last Titan, that definitely feels like something Eridocron would be interested in stomping. Yeah, I would agree. That's, but, that's all um, I really did. I guess that makes it we are wrapping up then. So um, Blizzard Watch is brought to you guys by Patreon. And if you are a Patreon supporter, you can reach us on multiple ways. Uh, Patreon supporters get exclusive benefits like, you know, first time access to the show. Um, a chance to be have your questions answered on the show. We didn't do any questions this week, but come on, guys, Blizzard just happened. Uh, you know, and an ads-free, you know, whole deal. So experience and an ads-free version of this. I don't think we do ads on the podcast, do we? We do. Oh, well, there you go. I, I'm assuming that the, the the uncut version that you get does not have any. So yeah, um, I just did that, and I didn't do it very well at all, but I did it. Uh, <laughs> here's where I'm going to ask Joe a final question because he does that for me, and I, I always like like the idea. What do you think is the thing that that has not been mentioned or brought up at all yet that you think is almost has to be part of war within like the thing that you, that you think that they're keeping in close to the chest that will come back out later. Oh, that is a, that is a tough one. I honestly don't know because I haven't really, a lot of that is going to depend on when we start getting some information or any information whatsoever. Um, and we haven't really gotten a whole lot of anything aside from here are the Arathor, here's what Zaltath is going to be doing, here's what uh, the Earthen are doing, and things like that. I, I don't know what else could be being held back um, or what else they could be planning for it because we know that there is stuff planning. And, and, and I'm going to call Ann out on this one because she had interviews at BlizzCon because, you know, she did. We're so proud of you, Ann. Um, but one of the things she did say is that. 10.2 isn't the last patch for Dragonflight and that there's still a lot more story to tell. And I think how that ends is going to inform what is or isn't being talked about in the war within. Mm-hmm. 
So right now, no idea. Alrighty. Well, uh, thank you guys for being here. Uh, hope you enjoyed my one-off week in charge. Uh, next week, Joe will be back in charge. So things will make a lot more sense. Uh, which is nice if you like understanding what's going on. I, I, I find it a little overrated, but you might like it. Um, anything else we should say? Anything else we usually do to wrap this up? Because I have completely forgotten. I only have one more thing to say. Okay. Pumpkins. <laughs> you got to say it. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code buttery exclusions apply see site for details hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter that's why i teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create pretty litter its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80 percent less than clay litter pretty litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness it's the world's smartest kitty litter Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.